afternoons. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Assuming Kevin Durant makes his debut tonight, we have no reason not to assume that here as we welcome you back into the Burns and Gambo show. It'll be a little bit of a departure from his first debut with the team when it was about as soft a landing as you possibly could have asked for. At Charlotte, at Chicago, then that nationally televised game against Dallas, and then of course he got hurt again. This is different. This is different because there's only seven games left. This is different because as you pointed out in the show earlier that pretty much every game they play from here on out, with the exception of the Spurs, is a game against a team that is fighting for something, a team that has something on the line when they play that game. And tonight's opponent in particular, Minnesota Timberwolves, have become one of, at least recently, one of the most intriguing teams in the NBA. They are playing really, really well, and they present kind of a challenge for the Suns in the regard that you're not quite sure what to expect from this basketball team. No, I think they've surprised us all with how well they've played. And, you know, one of the catalysts for that, honestly, we talked about it for for a brief time earlier in the show, Mike Conley. Yeah, you know because you know it, there's a story in the Minnesota Star Tribune. Uh, adding Mike Conley means the Timberwolves no longer have to hide players on defense. <laughs> you know because they were. I mean, so you know once you know because he can get in front of guys and he's smart and he knows positioning and D'Lo doesn't play any defense and talks about how he's not flashy, but man, he gets the job done. So and he's a leader. He's been in this league for a long time. I mean, he knows what to do when the game gets slows down. So he he's been a really good addition for them. And look, they got. Carl Anthony Towns back, and some of the younger players are playing very, very well for them. Noel and, and Anderson and Edwards. So they got a very balanced team. You know, it's not very reliant on one guy, but they're very balanced with what they do. They've got the anchor with Rudy Gobert, who's going always going to give you the rebounding and the shot blocking, but their scoring has been relatively balanced for in a lot of these wins that they've had. Yeah, it seems like every year, no matter the sport, right? In particular in baseball and in the NBA, there's always that trade deadline Deadline edition. And I know this year was a little different because some big names were moved to the deadline, including Kevin Durant coming here. But there's always that player that goes that you didn't really realize in the moment he was going to have the kind of impact that he did, right? And you get to the end of the season, you're like, wow, that guy's really impacted that team. Baseball, it happens every year where like the most impactful trade deadline acquisition is never the guy you think. It's always like the fifth guy on the list or the eighth guy on the list. Mike Conley has low key kind of become that guy for Minnesota this year where he's never going to be as flashy or as big as Kevin Durant and certainly not as impactful. No one's comparing him to that. But the way he's turned around that team, the way he's tightened up all the loose screws, the way he's kind of cleaned up D'Angelo Russell's mess, the way he's kind of fabricated this Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert. Now, Carl Anthony Towns only played a couple of games, but that chemistry that he had baked in with Rudy Gobert from their time together in Utah to recreate that now in Minnesota while Carl Anthony Anthony Towns has been out. Then you factor in Anthony Edwards, who is really, truly one of the great young players in the NBA. Then you mention guys like Kyle Anderson and Jaden McDaniel and those role Nas players. Reed. Nas Reed. who's played really, really well. This is, uh, what was the word that Kellen used on, I think he called feisty? It's a feisty Minnesota team that's won four straight games. Two of them were back-to-back in the Bay Area against Golden State and Sacramento. It's hard not to be impressed with what they've done. Yeah, they beat the, the Kings 119-115 after they had this uh, this, that win against Golden State. Very impressive back-to-back wins, like you said. No Carl Anthony Towns in the Sacramento game. I mean, they kind of gave him the day off because they want you know maintenance and stuff like that, so they're ramping him back up. 
So coming back from the injury, they don't want to push him too much. But yeah, I mean, they had seven players score between 14 and 20 points, right? Jaden McDaniels had 20, and then uh, Jalen Noel had 14, and Kyle Anderson had 15, and Rudy Gobert had 16, and Anthony Edwards had 17. And so they've got a fun little team. I mean, it's, I think it's a different this will be a different Timberwolves team than some of the teams that we've seen the Suns play in the past. And the Suns have had, look, the Suns have had their issues with that, especially when D'Lo and Cat were there. Remember, that was the game last year when I, you don't mess around with Book after he had that slam on the Timberwolves when we played the Jim Croce what was, song. That was your favorite game of the year, wasn't it? That was my favorite game of the year, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, uh, that, that, was, that was a fun game. So yeah, they're they're playing well. Next up, the Suns and Kevin Durant tonight, and we'll we'll see. I mean, we'll now the way you know if the Suns beat Minnesota, it does help Golden State and the Clippers to try to get that fifth spot. It does. So that's the thing I was thinking about today. Is like I'd ra- I think I'd rather play Minnesota than the Clippers or the Warriors. But if you beat Minnesota, you're actually kind of helping those other teams with playoff positioning ahead of them. A little bit, but I don't, you know, I wouldn't advocate the Suns not try to beat Minnesota no, tonight. No, of course they're you know, going to win. They're going to hold and on. They want to hold on to four. Think I know that's not the point you were trying to make, but I just, just so we're clear about this for everybody listening, I don't think either one of us aren't advocating that you would do that, but you're right in a roundabout way. If you want Minnesota in the first round, you could at least make the argument you're better off losing them tonight than you are beating them tonight because they're really applying the pressure. I mean, this is potentially a first round preview for the Suns tonight. And, and that's where I think that's where a lot of people think Minnesota will ultimately run into their problems is that over the course of a best of seven series where you're playing five games, six games, seven games against Minnesota, exploiting them defensively with Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. That was always the big risk in the act. Acquisition, right? Like, sure. Carl Anthony Towns can't defend out on the perimeter. How exactly are those two dudes going to defend? And and what kind of blender are you going to be able to put those guys in in terms of the action you run on the court? I don't know how much of that. I think we'll start to see some of that tonight with KD out there and Aiton and the things they can do. But a lot of people think that's where their flaw is, is that it's great during the regular season, but come the postseason, it's just not going to work because defensively those two guys are not going to be in tandem with each other. It's yeah. not going to work very well. No, and Conley, you know, Conley's a good defender. He's older, but he's still really good. And, you know, he's definitely been a leader. So he's, he's kind of like E.F. Hutton, they said. You know, when, when he doesn't talk much, but when he does, everybody, like, listens. The E.F. Hutton of the NBA, Mike Conley. <laughs> I like Some that. commercial, like, not many people will remember that. Uh, E.F. Hutton, e. when F. he Hutton. talks, people, people listen. Yeah, I remember right the, the, the old guy who did those commercials. Yeah, long time. When we were kids, yeah, those were yeah. very popular commercials. Yeah, they were. Um, so uh, tonight, but I, I like it. In that it's, you know, right out of the shoots. Okay, let's go. I mean, here's a team that just beat Golden State in Golden State. Like you said, four in a row. Just beat Sacramento in Sacramento. Cooking. This, this is not a soft Charlotte landing for the Suns. No. Tonight, Kevin Durant's no. debut. And I like that. I, I, I It's, it's kind of like it, it, schedules matter. And we saw that game against Dallas, Kevin Durant's third game since the trade when he, when he came back right before he got hurt. And that was fun. Because there was something on the line in that game, and you wanted to see how they'd respond and how they how they do. I I kind of hope the Suns get pushed a little bit tonight. I want to see. Just a few minutes ago, Kyle Anderson did get added to the injury list due to an illness. Oh, is he so, out? No, it says late addition to the injury report. Report twenty four minutes ago, Kyle Anderson got added to the injury report due to an illness. 
Mm. So he, you know, so that that could be. He may not be able. To, he may not play in that game. Okay, he's been really good for them. Yeah, he has been. He has been really, really good tonight. Uh, for good for them, I should say. Game starts at seven o'clock tonight. Pre-game coverage at six thirty, and of course, we believe it is going to be the Kevin Durant day. Join me and the Arizona Sports Promo Team. I'll be out Saturday from ten a.m. till twelve at the new Fulton Homes Community Barney Farms in Queen Creek, right down the road from where I'm at. We'll be hosting a two seconds is too long drowning prevention event. We're giving you the chance to win Diamondback tickets, plus live CPR demonstrations from the YMCA and the Queen Creek Fire Department. Drowning is 100% preventable. Come out and learn how to keep kids safe around water. When we come back, what NFL teams in the draft could, should, and will trade down? Looking at you, Arizona Cardinals. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Just had to double check on my phone, and I believe four weeks from tomorrow is the NFL draft. Okay. Just trying to think. What's four weeks from tomorrow? The NFL draft. NFL draft. Yep. Almost there. We're almost there. <laughs> Are we, though? Really? Are we? How many players in free agency will they sign between now and then? <laughs> you don't even want to know. What's the over under uh, on the? I mean, the, the number. I'm sure it'll be a. I'm sure it'll be a few. Is DeAndre Hopkins still a Cardinal four weeks from tomorrow? No. No. Okay. No, I don't believe he is. All right. It's a guess. I'm throwing darts here. All right. Know. I mean, at this point, what, what? Didn't we have a poll question on that? Like a week ago, was it going to happen at the end of the week, the end of the month, by the draft, or just whenever, yeah, week, right? month, draft, and then off-season. Okay. Sure. This may be like the Jay Crowder one, where we just kept anticipating a trend and it just never happened. Could be. I mean, how long did we talk about Jay Crowder? He'll be gone by, then he's never gone. Four or five all, years, maybe? All damn right. season, right? Yeah, it was. It felt like four or five years that we were talking about it, yeah. Um, and the, Fitz's retirement. Remember that one? Oh, God, we talked about that for years. When did you get announced his retirement? He just never came out and said it, right? It'll be in May. It'll be in June. It'll be in July. I mean, no. And never never did it. But you remember, like two years ago, we all had like President's Day off. And it was a Monday in February after the season ended. And our boss at the time said, okay, everybody can get President's Day off. But if Fitz announces his retirement, I'm calling you all. And you'll have to come in and host a show to talk about Fitz and the end of his career, right? And I just remember looking back on that now. Doesn't that seem ludicrous? That we'd all be standing by our phone waiting for a Larry Fitzgerald retirement. He still hasn't really announced his retirement. No, I never did. We all he know just, he's just retired, but he, he still won't say it, for goodness sakes. Kind of went out. Hmm? He just kind of went out on his own. Yeah, just kind of did. Kind of did. Yeah. Anyway, not for nothing. That's not exactly what we're trying to talk about here. What we are trying to talk about is the Cardinals and what they're going to do in the draft. Gambo sent this story over today, and it's an interesting one. Kind of similar to a story from a couple of days ago about you know teams that it was yesterday that we were talking about teams that should tank. teams that should tank. Here are the five teams in the NFL that should tank this year. They were the number Cardinals one. Were number one. Similar story, different kind of theme. 
teams that should trade down in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. The top teams that should trade down. Yeah, listen, you're a big believer in this. I mean, you're a big believer. And they said because the Cardinals aren't likely to contend with Murray missing a significant portion of the season, the team should select high upside development prospects with an eye on 2024. It says the Cardinals have eight picks this year, half of them in the top 96. They could push that number up to double digits by dropping back in the first round. They could also look further toward the future by acquiring several selections for next year's draft to set themselves up for the 2024 season. I get it. I mean, I get it. I mean, I totally understand all of that. I mean, when you're not a good team and you, you know, you, you, you want to acquire assets and look, what do teams in the NBA do that aren't very good? What's Danny Ainge doing in Utah? What do teams, to what, what did, what did Dave Griffin do in New Orleans? Acquire assets, acquire picks, give yourself more chances. Um, and that's a strength that you could use for other stuff. I mean, you may get a whole bunch of picks and then use it to move up for a guy you really like at some point. I don't want to pass on Anderson at three. I'm okay moving down to four. It just seems like he is head and shoulders better than anybody else defensively, whether it's Wilson or the cornerback out from Oregon. I, I don't want to pass up on what could be a really dynamic player to move back to get other picks. But I understand those that do. Yeah, I, I look, I totally understand where you're coming from. If, if Will Anderson is going to end up being that truly you know, dynamic kind of pass rusher that this team has never had, you just don't want another repeat of Terrell Suggs, right? You don't, you don't want to spend the next 10 years thinking about the guy you could have had and wishing that you had him instead of the guys that you did get for him. It, it, in my mind, there's a couple things. I'm an advocate of trading down, but I don't want to trade down too far, right? Like I'm not talking about plunging into the teens in the first round of the NFL draft. I'm only talking about a few spots here. Go seven or eight. So I don't think I want out of the top ten. You know, right. I think I'll go down to seven or eight. Fair. I was at that you, same point at you, one point. You had a mock draft two days ago in which the Cardinals moved down to sixth. And I, I, I went looking for it. I couldn't find it. But the ret- they moved down to six. The return that the Lions gave them to move up from six to three. Even you were like, I don't know how you say no to that, right? Like it was. I think it was the Lions first, second, and third this year, and like their first and their fourth next year. Okay. And even you were like, how do you, how do you not, how do you not do that? It was a lot. It was, it was, I get it. It was a lot. And for me, that's when I talk about trading down, what you got? Give it to me. Just pro football focus. Okay. They had the Lions moving up to get Anthony Richardson. And they said, this is what our Detroit would send Arizona pick number six, pick number 48, pick number 81 and a 2024 first rounder. Okay. And a 2024 fourth rounder. So a first, a second, a third, a future first, and a future fourth. Yes. It's a lot. I ain't saying no to that. Yeah. I ain't saying, I don't care how good Will Anderson is. I ain't saying no to that. I I will say on, that's the type of thing, like, are you selling your house? No. You're selling your house? No. Okay. I'll give you two and a half million dollars for it. Sold. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, there's there's no doubt. My sister-in-law is a realtor and she's like, you're going to tell me somebody knocks on your door and offers you a million dollars for your house right now? I take it. Like that. Like I wouldn't even think twice about it, right? And that's and that's the kind of deal that you don't say no to something like that. And and I would encourage the Cardinals not to. But I don't know if that deal's coming along, and I don't know if they're going to get that much. I don't know if some team's going to come along and make that kind of offer. That's what when I advocate trading down, that's what I'm talking about. But I get it. I, I and they still I, had Tyree Wilson, the Texas Tech kid, is the pick at six. So you move down three spots, you still get an edge rusher, second best and you edge get all these other drafts, and you get all those Look, picks. And even me, I'm against. I'm against. Against passing up on Anderson, 
But even I have to admit, like, okay, that's that's that package. Somebody offers you something. You're not selling your house, but somebody makes you an offer. Like, okay, you're selling your house now. Yeah, I saw yeah. A, I saw a mock draft today, and I thought of you when I saw this. It you wasn't. Did. It, yeah, I did. It wasn't okay. anything spectacular um, in the sense that it didn't present anything shocking for the Cardinals. It was Bucky Brooks on NFL.com. His his third mock draft. He had the Panthers taking C.J. Stroud one, Bryce Young going to the Texans two, the Cardinals taking. Will Anderson at number three. What was shocking about it, the next quarterback he had going off the board was was Anthony Richardson at number 20. Whoa. He didn't even have Will Levis in the first round. Now, I saw this, and I thought... He took the Chevy to the Levis, but the Levis was dry. The Levis was very dry. It was in the second round. And I saw this, and my first thought was, this would be terrible news for the Cardinals, because you want those quarterbacks to have the kind of value that would allow the Cardinals to at least field calls. And if Richardson's only the 20th best guy in the draft, and if Will Levis isn't even a first-rounder, that just kills the Cardinals' leverage for moving down. But then I thought... What would Gambo do? I was kind of rubbing my what would Gambo do bracelet. And and what Gambo would do is look at this mock draft and go, I like this. And the reason why you would like this, it forces the Cardinals to stay put. It forces the car. Okay, we don't have any offers at no three. Offers. You got to take Anderson. Our phone's not ringing. Let's just stay put and take Will Anderson. Is anybody, no choice. is anybody buying that the third quarterback is going to go number 20 overall? Hell no. Nobody. Of course not. Nobody. I mean, I like Bucky Brooks. I do. I got a lot of respect for him. Yeah. Anthony, the third I like Hubie Brooks. The, the third quarterback in this draft is not going 20. 20th. No, not 15th, not 10th. I like Brooks Robinson, by Brooks the way. Brooks Robinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Who is the uh, Mel Brooks? Mel Brooks. Frankenstein. Mel Brooks. That was a good Brooks. <laughs> Gene Wilder. Brooks Shields. <laughs> Mel Brooks. QB Brooks. Brooks Robinson. Corman. There's a history with Brooks. Come on, guys. Yeah. Dylan Brooks. Marshawn Brooks. <laughs> Everybody jump in. Everybody jump in. He's got a Brooks. Gambos. Who's yeah. your favorite Brooks? Um, my favorite Brooks? Robinson, he was the best third. He was the best defensive player that's ever played the game of baseball. Brooks Robinson. Brooks Shields? Brooks Shields. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Everybody really loved Brooks Shields. Think about who my favorite Brooks was. Brooks or Brooks. I'm not sure how that'll require some thought. You know what? I'll think about it while we're talking to James Jones. Because while you're texting us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620, we got James Jones coming up next. How excited is he for the potential return of Kevin Durant? It's our exclusive conversation, and it's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. State of the Suns, driven by Sonic Drive-In. Mmm, Sonic. Burns and Gambo take you inside the Suns front office and talk with a key decision maker. It's our weekly visit with James Jones, the president of basketball operations, general manager of the Phoenix Suns, and he joins us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Good afternoon, James. Happy Wednesday to you. How you doing? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, congratulations on winning the Phoenix Suns office pool, Miami in the Final Four. I'm sure you blew everybody away. Yeah, I mean, that's how I called it at the beginning of the season. As a crazy hurricane fan, you always pick your team to go to the end. So I'm just grateful that, uh, you know, Coach L and those guys have done a great job and and they're putting themselves in a position to do something historic. I tell you, I saw them play a few times this year. You know this because me and you have talked about it. I was I was kind of on that Miami. I should have picked them because I was on them real early that they were real good. Larinag has done a good job. What would it mean to you as a former Hurricane if they're able to win it all? I mean, it's something that we never, I never got close to. You know, the furthest I went was the Sweet 16 as a freshman. And you always dream of being a part of a, a legacy as far as the college program goes. 
Um, I, I think we pushed it forward, but nowhere near as far as these guys have done it. And so just to be a part of it, to be a part of, of their journey, um, to, to be connected to them and Coach L in some way, it's uh, pretty humbling. I'm excited for those guys. All right, well, I'm happy for you to see your team go so far. All right, let's talk about the big news of the day. Everybody's expecting that Kevin Durant will play tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Are you ready to, to confirm that he will take the court? I mean, that's the plan. Um, you know, we'll see. Um, but I expect him to, to be ready. I know he's been, been anxious to get back with us. Um, he had a couple good practices. And so you just, um, you know, we just move forward hoping that uh, he can play tonight and he can play well. Let me ask you about the, the ramp up and targeting this game. How did that come about? Um, no, there was really no target. You know, we initially set the, the time frame out to try to give ourselves and him uh, some time to, to be, you know, diligent in his recovery, but not really force it. Um, and then also be a little aggressive. So it just so happened three weeks ended up being the perfect timeline for him to come back. How would you assess, now, assuming it happens tonight, in retrospect, looking back on the 10 games that he missed, how would you assess that 10-game ten, ten stretch for you and how your guys played? Um, it was, it was improved. we improved. You know, it was, it was challenging. You know, we had some games that we, we gave away. Um, we won a couple games um, that didn't seem like tough games, like the Orlando game on paper. But as you've seen, you know those guys have played well. We beat a team in Charlotte who, you know, was struggling, but they've made some some big strides in, over the end of the season as well. So it was it was up and down, but I do think it gave us a chance to explore our roster a little bit. Um, I know it's it's a, a tough thing to do at the end of the season, but you try to squeeze as much chemistry in a, in a small window as possible and I think we've done a good job but but now the ultimate test to get Kevin back with the group and moving forward is in front of us. Yeah and, and you mentioned small windows you got seven games left we don't even know for sure if KD will play in all of them there's a back-to-back in there how challenging does it become for Monty and for the guys to try to cram all of this into a seven game schedule to be as ready as you can be for the postseason with a limited time together? You just play it game by game. You take it one practice at a time. And you try to build chemistry hour by hour. Um, you know, I, I know we look at the the last seven games and people want to know if you can play every game. How are we looking at you know, like game planning it? Who plays what and how you manage it? Um, but for us, we're a team that just needs time on court together, and so we'll let the schedule and the circumstances dictate how those teams, how those groups play together. I've never seen anything like this. This is unprecedented. People try to compare it to when Aguirre got traded, um, you know, to the Pistons or Rasheed Wallace or even Clyde Drexler, uh, and and led teams to championships. Those guys played 35, 36, 37 games with their teams. This is unusual. We've never seen anything like it. What's the fear? What what could be the the negative of having three of your guys, T.J. Warren, Terrence Ross, and Kevin Durant, that haven't played a lot of games with your current group? I mean, well, everyone's always looking for a reference point because it gives them comfort that this is like something before. But, you know, Kevin's unlike anyone that's ever donned the Suns jersey. He's one of the greatest players ever. And, and anytime you put him with a group, he fundamentally changes the, the nature of that team. Um, I don't really look at it as from a fear perspective. You know, we look at it as an opportunity because – just like people think we haven't had enough time to build chemistry, they don't know what we look like. So they'll come into every game trying to figure out what we're doing, and hopefully by the time they figure it out, we've already done what we needed to do. What did you learn about your team in the three games that, that Kevin did play with them? That, um, you know, that, that we have areas for improvement. You know, with Kevin, without Kevin, uh, we were competitive, um, and we had a lot of things under our control that we controlled, and there were some things that got away from us. 
I know, um, you know, our turnovers and, and transition uh, points off of turnovers was something that we, we needed to correct, and, and we've done a good job of that over the last week. Uh, so when I look at our team, I just say, you know, as long as you have Devin and Chris, DeAndre, three really good players, you, you add Kevin to that mix, and then the depth of our bench, guys who haven't been proven in Suns jerseys but have been proven in NBA jerseys, I mean, I like our chances. James Jones, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, the GM of the Sun, stopping by for his weekly visit. I like the phrase you used earlier, exploring the roster to kind of see what you've got. Have you, you've tried a lot of different things, a lot of different combinations, and we've seen players kind of ebb and flow over the last couple of weeks. Have you reached any conclusions on guys in terms of guys that you know will be a part of your postseason rotation, or are you still kind of trying guys on for size at this point? Well, no, I think outside of our top four guys, Chris, Devin, Kevin, and DeAndre, you just look at our team and, and the play guys that have played, you see uh, they've had uneven opportunities, but they've also had some bright spots. And I think that's that's what we'll be going forward. Um, we have a lot of versatility. Um, when you have the, the caliber of players we have at the top of our roster, it affords you great opportunities to, to try things out on a game-by-game basis, possession-by-possession. So I expect us to continue to be fluid because you can't be static in this league. The good teams are way too good for you to be a sitting target. From your perspective, do T.J. Warren and Terrence Ross, can they defend well enough to be out there on the floor for you in moments when you're going to need it for the rest of the regular season and the postseason? I do. I mean, I've always said, you know, I think people sometimes get defense or the concept of defense uh, confused. You know, defense is a team construct. Uh, if you look at Terrence, you look at um, TJ, uh, they've had moments when you, you pair them up against their opponents where they've done extremely well in isolation situations. Um, from a team perspective, it's been different for them. Uh, we, we play differently than a lot of teams. Um, but I always said that a great offense is your best defense. And if those guys continue to make plays the way they do, uh, it'll be on the opponent, opponent to decide whether or not they want to go uh, punch for punch because overall, I just think where our team is healthy and our team is whole, we're, we're a lot to contend with. Why do you think it took so long for TJ to kind of like figure out his role? Because in the beginning, I mean, you know, the first like 10 games, seven minutes, three minutes, seven minutes, three minutes, he wasn't playing very much. But the last four games, he's really exploded. What do you think it took for him to get into that groove? I mean, you just you just called it. You're talking and asking a guy that you know hasn't been with us two plus years to, to come back and, and let ten games find a rhythm and find a groove. Uh, I know that that sounds good in theory, but practically, it's really difficult to put a, a guy in the system and expect him to just pick up where he left off. So, uh, time. You know, you can't shortcut time. You hope you can speed it up, but no one never, no one really knows when when it clicks. But luckily for us, it's clicked a lot faster than we, we would have hoped. James, your whole career, you were one of those valuable role players. What's the difference, you know, when you're getting three, four, six, seven minutes? I mean, it's got to be a heck of a lot harder than when you're getting 20 to 25 minutes a game. Well, it, it is. It's difficult, but like all things, like the reason guys are at this level is because they're able to adjust and adapt. And, you know, it just takes some time. But it's also freeing for a guy. You know, you're going to get seven to eight minutes. You can just go out there. And for those seven to eight minutes, you can let it all hang out. And if you do a great job, that seven becomes ten. And before you know it, you're in the rotation. 
James Jones, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show for his weekly visit. It was just three games. Gambo asked you about it earlier, the three games that KD played. One of the trends from that really small sample size was DeAndre Ayton maybe not as involved offensively as maybe was part of the plan. Is that something you look at and look towards these final seven games, integrating DeAndre Ayton offensively when he's on the floor with KD? It'll come. Um, you know, we'll, we always try to be considerate of it. But, you know, once again, I try to get people to fo- focus on the playoffs. When you get to the playoffs, teams try to take away your best players. And opportunities come for everyone. I think everyone will have a moment. You know, DeAndre finds his spot. I mean, he connects the group. Um, I, I tell people he sets more screens than anyone else. And he does more to get our guys open looks than anyone else on our team. And, and if he continues to do that, the ball will find him. And, and more importantly, he'll find it. Uh, but his, his opportunities will come. Um, I, I just think he does so much more for us than just score offensively. A lot of times he will get stuck on that side of the box sheet. But if you look at what he does defensively for Chris, what he does for Devin, what he does for all of our guys, um, you really can't measure that impact. And that's what we're grading him on. We had campaign on the show yesterday. Uh, he's been playing so well. I, I don't know that there's any player that you've shown more faith in than Cameron Payne. You know, for years, people have been imploring the Suns to go get every other backup you can. Go get Reggie Jackson. Go get Goran Dragic. Go get this guy. I mean, for years, you guys have resisted that temptation. You've stuck with Cameron Payne, and he's really rewarding you right now with some excellent play. Well, it, it takes, a, it takes a, a special person, a certain person to be able to be a backup behind one of the greatest point guards of all time. I think people can't appreciate how hard it is to know or not know what the game holds for you night in and night out. If Chris is rolling, Cam may not play. If Chris isn't rolling, Cam may play 32 minutes. You know, it's, it's just one of those things where it's up and down emotionally. Um, but he's a kid that's been resilient and he bounces back. And so I think over the last few games, you've got a chance to see him doing the things that we need him to do. You know, traditionally we've played with our bigs up top connecting the group. Um, but right now, he's being a connector for us in our second group, not turning the ball over, uh, making sound sound plays, and, and just getting his guys involved and bringing the juice, and he's been really good for us. James, as always, we appreciate the time. And just like last week, both of our brackets are shot, so go Canes. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, guys. Hi, James. James Jones joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. James confirming the plan is for Kevin Durant to play tonight. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, the rest of the West, how is it projected to pan out? What happened last night? What's going to happen moving forward? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The closest thing you're going to get until probably right before tip-off that Kevin Durant is going to play just happened from James Jones a moment ago here on the Burns and Gambo Show. The plan? The plan is they expect Kevin Durant to be ready tonight to play against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Not a surprise. Not a full 100% confirmation from the organization, but probably Gambo, as I mentioned, the best we're going to get at this point. That's right. That's right. So Kevin Durant expected to play tonight. A lot of people were pointing to this day. I think even Sham Sharani was probably the first to kind of target this day and say he expects to play barring a setback. 
Now, we didn't know if there was going to be a setback or not, but James Jones just a few minutes ago saying that the plan is that Kevin Durant will play tonight versus Minnesota. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, there it is. It's so, it's once again, and I do feel like this is a the third time's a charm kind of thing, right? Because the first game after the All-Star break, he didn't play. That was at home against Oklahoma City. Now, they never said he was going to, but people just kind of assumed that he was. He didn't play then. The, the next time was supposed to be at home against Oklahoma City for his home debut. He got hurt in the pregame warm-ups. Third time's a charm in front of the home crowd. Let's see if it works out tonight. Let's see what he does. And I would imagine the fans that are going to be there, it's going to be a very electric atmosphere to see him play. The last game of the regular season is April 9th. April 9th. It's basically in 10 days, mm-hmm. right? 10, 11 days. This is crazy that a guy may make his home debut 10 days before the season ends and lead a team to a championship. <laughs> or to the. Like, this is so, like. You can't compare this to anything. It is so unprecedented. There's nothing like this ever. Now, they lose in the first or second round. You see, But never before has there been a player that joined the team, led them to a championship, but he joined the team 10 days before, played his first home game 10 days before the regular season it's ended. It's the example you've used many, many times. It'd be like Shohei Otani just joining the Arizona Diamondbacks a week before the regular season regular ends. Regular season ends, you're going really to like make the playoffs. You're going to be in the playoffs, but Shohei Otani's going to join you in play. I mean, this is so unusual there's nothing to compare it to. Just real quick, I, yeah. I, we were talking during the break. You really liked what he said, what James said, about campaign backing up Chris Paul. Tell me what's, what, why. What, what did you like about because that? Because I understand you, you've been banging that drum for a long time, and others have too. you got to get a backup point guard. you got to get – can't trust campaign. You can't trust him. He's hurt. He's just, he didn't play well. Like You just can't – go get somebody more reliable. Go get Reggie Jackson. Go get Goran Dragic. Right. Go get um, – I've had trust issues with campaign. There's no doubt about who, it. Who is the Knicks guy? Um, Derek Rose. Go get like this. There's been 15 guys over the last two years that have been mentioned that people have been like, go get that guy. You need a backup point guard. You can't trust campaign. I'm telling you, there's no player that James Jones, you know, and I don't know if he feels vindicated by this, but there's no player that he seems to trust more to me than campaign refuses to go out and get another backup point guard. Now you like even when he got, you know, holiday last year, it wasn't to replace campaign. It was just to get a shooter. You know, they he likes them and he says it's a hard role. It's a hard role. Back it up a great point guard. You don't know if you're gonna play five minutes. You don't know if you're gonna play thirty minutes. You have no idea each game of whether how much you're gonna play. Yeah. Yeah, when we had campaign on the show, what was it yesterday? Yesterday. I was struck by what he said about just having to control his emotions when he's out there. Because campaign's a live wire. And I think sometimes the Suns, frankly, need that kind of burst of energy from him. They need to tap into his just natural charisma when he's on the floor. But sometimes that charisma and that energy gets him in trouble. And it makes him make bad decisions out there. And it makes him make you know silly turnovers. And, bad, and he needs to scale that back a little bit. That seems to be the thing. Thing with campaign, he's always walking that fine line between you know just how much energy is too much energy because it leads to those bad decisions. Can he control it? Because if he can, we've seen obviously moments throughout the years where campaign is an, a, a very effective backup point guard for the Phoenix Suns if he can control things like that. So that will continue. Look, James not really committing to anything in terms of the bench and who's going to play and who's going to not. 
that that's one of the impressions I got from James. It's still a very fluid situation in terms of guys who are out there and how often they're going to play that are not the big four. That's going to be something to watch over the course of these last you know seven games and then going into the playoffs. Now, the way people see it playing out, 538.com, the analytic projection website, they run the models and the simulations. They have it going like this. They have the Nuggets finishing as the top seed in the West. Duh. They have Memphis finishing at number two. They have Sacramento finishing at number three. They have the Suns, and they believe the Suns will end up with a 44-38 and 38 record when it's all said and done and finish with the fourth seed. And they'll play the L.A. Clippers in the first round, who will finish fifth. At forty three and thirty nine. Okay, look who else is finishing at forty three and thirty nine. I got a big kick out of this. The Minnesota Timberwolves and the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. A three way tie yep. for fifth, sixth, and seventh. Minnesota would get the sixth seed with the benefit of the tiebreaker over Golden State. So tiebreakers may very well. We're, we're, like I can't imagine a tiebreaker doesn't come into play here, but I think the tiebreakers will come into play because we're so close to the end of the season and everybody's so botched up. It is no separation between so many different teams that it really could come into play here. Now, you know, as we get closer, we'll really go over the tiebreakers, but that one was interesting that the T-Wolves would have the tiebreaker over the Warriors. So if you if you're even just from a rooting interest, because like we're all looking at it, sure. If you're like, man, I really want, I'd really rather have Minnesota than Golden State. You just need Minnesota to tie Golden State. You don't need Minnesota to finish ahead of them. You just need them to finish tied because the tie would go to the Timberwolves based on the season series. If you're looking at the scoreboard tonight, there are games galore to keep an eye on. None bigger than the the Clippers at the Memphis Grizzlies. That's the biggest game on the schedule tonight as it relates to the Phoenix Suns, right? Because the Clippers are right on your heels there. And the Suns, for what it's worth, we we have a story up at ArizonaSports.com featuring the Suns tiebreakers and the ones they currently currently have. Right now, the Phoenix Suns do have the tiebreaker over the L.A. Clippers. Now, that could change, but as of right now, the Suns do own that tiebreaker over L.A. L.A. tonight, the Clippers, they're taking on Memphis. OKC is hosting Detroit. The Kings are at Portland. The Lakers are at Chicago. Dallas, yeah. and for what it's worth, in 538's projections, they have Dallas on the outside looking in. They say Dallas is not. I doesn't even you, get to the playing tournament. It's a terrific story the other day about how Dallas should just tank. I mean, why you know why you know why get to the playoffs? Get yourself in the lottery. See if you can get a top ten pick. If it's top ten, I think they keep it. If it's outside of the top ten, they would lose the pick. I think that's still part of the Porzingis trade. I'd have to go back, but it sounds right. But I don't um, know for sure. But and here was an interesting thing. And, and this, you know, you look at these projections, and I was looking at them too. But there was a nugget in here. It says. Um, if this played out the way it does, the tournament would fe- would feature Golden State against the Lakers. The play-in tournament. Play-in tournament. And the Pelicans against Oklahoma City with the winner of Golden State Lakers meeting the Grizzlies. The loser from that match would face the winner of Pelicans Thunder. It says the Timberwolves and Kings would meet in this 6-3 matchup. Just go, and, and, you know, there was a, a point in here which kind of said, like, if you're Golden State, I mean, you want to play the Suns and then you'd have to play the Nuggets? Like, you might be better off not finishing where, you know, if you're the five and you and you have to play Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul, and then if you do happen to win, you got to go play the team with the best record in the NBA in mile high, in mile high with the altitude and everything. Like, that five may not be a desired spot for teams. Honestly, we, didn't we have the same conversation about the Suns about a week ago? 
that six might be the actual six might be the desired location yeah. to get into. Yeah. Yep. When we come back here on Burns and Gamble, we're halfway home on this Wednesday afternoon, which means all the top stories of the day, everything you need to know, is all in the four o'clock reset next, right here on the Burns and Gambo Show.